Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, where we talk all things menopause. And today I have with me Dr. Kayla Matazuski. Hopefully I got that close to being right, Kayla. And she is a pelvic floor physical therapist. So Kayla, welcome to the show. And let's, uh, let's get into it. Did I, did I come close with your name? You nailed it. So I've been struggling with that my entire life. We'll look at the word and they just, I think, flounder around it. <laughs> nervous than they need to, but Matazuski is perfect. You did a great job. Great. So um, did you start out as a physical therapist looking to get into pelvic floor work, or is that something that developed as you were working with women in, in your practice? Oh, that's such a good question because I got into physical therapy school and I actually had no expectation as to what I wanted to specialize in. I did have goals of specializing in something, but I was going to try and let it come organically. So I graduated seven years ago and jumped into the workforce, you know, finding whatever job I could. And it happened to be a nursing home. And that was just, you know, kind of a way to pay off the student loans. And, <laughs> you know, my career progressed and I ended up in a hospital setting doing outpatient and inpatient, which was a nice balance for me. Seeing mostly orthopedic type stuff and then in the hospital inpatient setting was more acute, like people who are really sick or had falls. Um, at the hospital, we did have a pelvic floor specialist. So <laughs> it was funny because she tried really, really hard to get me to join her in her work. She thought I had a lot of potential to help and, and be part of that type of work. And I kind of resisted it for a little bit. Um, then I, you know, my background is I'm, I'm someone who's very athletic and I like to work out. I do heavy weightlifting. And so my story starts there. I was doing some heavy weightlifting and I'm a 32 year old female who doesn't have any children. And all of a sudden I started to notice I was getting a little bit of urinary leaking with some lifts. And I was like, oh, that's odd. Why is that happening to me, a healthy 32-year-old female who doesn't have kids? So that led me, you know, down the internet rabbit hole of like, why is this happening? Because in physical therapy school, we got half a semester of women's health, pelvic floor work. So I had to do my own research. And basically what happened was after going down the internet rabbit hole is 
I figured out this could be due to a pressure mismanagement system in my core and then how the pelvic floor was reacting or not reacting during those heavy lifts. So I kind of figured it out on my own, but what I then led into was, all right, this is pretty cool. And if this is happening to me, then this is probably happening to a lot more women. And Mm -hmm. I started to take more classes and went into different programs because pelvic floor physical therapy is so specialized that you must take extra classes to, to be able to do it. So I went to my first class and, you know, nervous as all heck, not knowing what I was going to get into, literally fell in love with it and felt like this type of work could really benefit and help more people than I, I was doing already. So not only did I fix my problem, but I also started to, you know, switch gears and focus on everything that had to do with pelvic floor physical therapy. Wow. What a story. So no kids, but you had this issue from doing something that many personal trainers and doctors and w- would tell us, do heavy lifting. I, I lift moderately heavy, heavy right now, <laughs> but it's important to do that for our bones and muscles. So doing that is then creating problems in this other area. Now, one of the things I talk about, and let's let's talk, there's so many things we can get into. And obviously, I'm sure one of your, the things that you work with is around women who have had children and re, um, reconditioning the the pelvic floor and making sure that their vaginal tissues and all of that stay in in good shape but for a lot of women in menopause in these years of menopause we find ourselves in this urinary leakage and urinary incontinence and also huge numbers of urinary tract infections because there's so much looseness in those muscles and tissue that have been stimulated in the past by estrogen and now are finding themselves out of condition, I guess is a good way of putting it. So I'd love to have you back to talk about the vaginal stuff. Let's talk about the urinary tract stuff because that's, I would say, probably even more annoying than than the vaginal stuff. and. Um, that's annoying. But let's talk about urinary tract health. Yeah, absolutely. So as you kind of alluded to, estrogen, there's tons of estrogen receptors in the pelvic floor muscles, the urethra, you know, the vaginal tissues. So through menopause, as you start to lose that estrogen, you lose the protective um, benefit of estrogen. So what happens is not only do you get weaker in the pelvic floor muscles, but you also get laxity in the urethra and how it functions to close off when you do have an urge to pee. So you're fighting this this imbalance because of, you know, natural declines in estrogen. But there are ways to combat that with 
making sure you have a strong pelvic floor. So the muscles that help support the bladder, the uterus, the rectum, and also working on the muscles that help close off the urethra that moves through the pelvic floor. Um, so like you said, if, you know, urinary leakage is, is happening, you are at a higher risk of a UTI. And the other thing that women will do naturally is wear a pad. And then if you're not sensing that you're leaking and you're wearing this little protective liner and you're sitting in that for longer, then that, that bacteria can just make its way back up into the urethra and, and contribute to a UTI. So from a physical therapy perspective, what we can do is really focus on working on those muscles and making sure they are strong enough. And the other thing we like to do is we do a lot of bladder training. So it's interesting, the bladder is one of the most trainable organs in the body. And if you're someone who does a just in case pee, like you're leaving the house and you're like, oh, you know, I don't know when the next bathroom stop is gonna be, I'm gonna go just in case, even though you don't have the urge, you're basically- We've been taught that since we were six. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe three. Yeah. Because if you're going on a trip, your mom doesn't want to have to pull over because, you know, you have to pee or whatever. <laughs> so we've been conditioned it, conditioned into that for a very long time. Um, but what it has done has trained the bladder to, to activate or, or start, you know, almost um, initiating going to the bathroom or peeing when you have the signal of leaving the house. And that can be similar to coming home. Like a lot of women will say, I get in my car after work. And as soon as I put that key in the door, it's like, oh, instant get that urge. So the bladder is trainable, which is so cool for us because if you are someone who's going too frequently or not enough, we can train that and help reduce the leaking or the urge or, you know, all those issues going on. So let's talk about one that's really obnoxious, happens to me, and that is I awaken probably two to three times at night having to go. Sometimes it's pretty intense in that maybe I've had it. Um, I have a I have a very strong belief that we need need to be hydrated at night because of this is something that I've talked about in other podcasts probably way early on in the podcast. But because uh, the lymph system is clearing the brain at that time, I feel like I don't want to stop drinking at six o'clock at night so that uh, drinking water, that is. <laughs> the other maybe, the other maybe, but let's be sure, sure that we're talking about, you know, the liquids that hydrate us so that the brain gets washed at night and if that's not happening then you're getting you're in danger from what i i've read of those tangles and those proteins sticking so i don't i don't i don't skip on water at night and so i often have to get up two to three times a night is there anything i can do now i've trained myself really well to go right back to sleep. I'm very good at that. Um, is there anything I can do to extend that period of time between which between bathroom breaks in my sleep? 
Yeah. So I, I'd be curious, you know, how much you're drinking throughout the day first and making sure that you're not doing, um, I guess what I would call is like <laughs> catching up at the end of the day. Like, oh, I haven't touched my water bottle all day and now I need to chug. So we recommend trying to space out your water throughout the day. So you're not doing that. Um, the next thing I would recommend is maybe some urge suppression techniques. So it wouldn't be something you do before bed, but when you wake up in the middle of the night, perhaps you could do some of these techniques, which would include um, quick pelvic floor contractions. So like little flicks, you could go contract, 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 contract like 10 times. Was, the, is that like mini kegels? Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Another technique would be to shift your mind to something else. So maybe counting or, you know, watching sheep jump over the <laughs> fence like we've been taught, uh, looking at your dog sleeping next to you or just moving your mind to something else besides the urge to pee. The other thing you could do is something called ankle pumps. So when you're laying there, just use your calf muscle to point downwards. Point and down. what that does is the muscle group that does the pushing down like an ankle pump, like you're stop or you're pushing on a gas pedal is that muscle group has the same nerve that innervates it as does the bladder. Hmm. So you're distracting the nerve that serves the bladder by doing the ankle pumps, then you can take away that feedback that the bladder's getting that you have to pee. That's a That's, really cool. That is cool. So ankle pumps, little mini kegels, and trying to distract yourself. Yep. Those are three awesome tips for anyone who, like me, now, like I said, I have taught myself, trained myself 98% of the time. I get up, I go to the bathroom. I'm asleep before I really get back into bed. But for somebody who who hasn't perfected those techniques, which are things I teach my clients, but if you haven't perfected those techniques, that getting up to go to the bathroom or that getting up after a hot flash can really ruin your whole night. Oh, absolutely. So this is why I I, I asked. Um, so let's talk kegels for a few minutes. Um, I have read, talked to um, people in this same area who say that much of what we've been taught about kegels is ineffective or just plain wrong. Mm. Can you explain without I'll mark I'll mark this episode as explicit, but can you explain how someone knows, how a woman knows when a kegel is being done correctly and when it's being done incorrectly? Yeah, that's a really good question. You're right. There is this weird shift around I say kegels, kegels perfectly perfectly fine. <laughs> Um, around Kegels being not the end-all and be-all anymore. And I think we have to be careful with that because we do need to know how to do an isolated pelvic floor contraction, and that's what a Kegel is. So if I were to explain it virtually to someone, so what we would do in the clinic is we would do a manual assessment of the muscles. And what that means is we would use one finger, we would go either into the vaginal canal or the rectum. And then we would go up to a level where the muscles are and we would have the, the person contract 
and relax. And then we could get the sensation of like, oh, okay, they're able to contract at this level, at this intensity for this long. And are they able to relax? Because that is just as important as being able to contract them. So if you were in the clinic, that's how we would know. But for a virtual explanation, it gets a little trickier. Um, one thing people could try, and it's not recommended to do this, but if you're peeing and you can stop the stream, then you are able to do a contraction. Okay. Now, that's not something you practice. That's not an exercise we prescribe, but it's a way. It to was in the 70s. It was at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that's why I'm being very clear about <laughs> the recommendation now is it's not an exercise to do now. But if you can do that, then you can, you, you're doing it correctly. The other one is, you know, if you have to pass gas and you're able to hold that in, then you're doing a good contraction. Now, the other things we would want to see or think about is, okay, when you go to do a Kegel, are you feeling your butt muscles contract? Are you feeling your abdominals contract? How about your inner thighs? Are those all helping? If they are, then you're not isolating the pelvic floor. Okay. So you want to feel it just in those, in that vaginal area, yeah. not, in, not in any of the skeletal muscles, really. Accessory, you know, yeah. peripheral muscles. Yep. Yeah. And another cue we give people is like, okay, can you feel like a lifting in the perineal area? So between the vaginal opening and the anus, do you feel that lift up? And what some women will do is... um Put something under there, like a small towel roll, so that you get a little tactile feedback. Can you feel that perineum move away from the towel? Mm -hmm. And does it drop back down and relax onto it? Um, another one could be, you know, uh, cues that we use is, can you nod your clitoris? Can you feel that nodding forward? Or if it's someone with a penis, similarly, can you nod the penis? Never even thought to try. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> In our world, it's so easy to talk about these things because it's like we talk about them all the time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's you have to be careful with modesty for some folks. But those are cues to to think about. And the other way that we we get people to do a Kegel contraction correctly is we use breathing, which is okay. really interesting. So tell me a little more about that. Yeah. So when we inhale, so we're expanding the rib cage, the diaphragm drops down, the abdominals spread apart and open up and relax. The pelvic floor also drops down and relax. So every inhale we take, if you're doing it correctly, you will get a relaxing in the pelvic floor. Okay. So to get a contraction, we use the exhale. So when we exhale, naturally the pelvic floor muscles will contract and pull up. So if we can coordinate and get people thinking about, okay, on your exhale, I want you to pull up those pelvic floor muscles. Think about, oh, this is a good one. Think about there being a little blueberry at the opening of the vaginal canal and you want to pull that blueberry up into you. <laughs> don't squish it. We don't want blueberry jam in there. <laughs> pull that blueberry up and in and on the you do it on the exhale. So it might help uh, coordinating breathing with the pelvic floor contraction. That's, that's fascinating. That's mm -hmm. fascinating. So number one, when do we know that we should go and talk to someone like you? Yeah. Oh, great question. It could be a three-part question. I think. 
honestly, I feel like there's a lot of value in prevention. So I really hope there's a movement at some point where a woman approaches. So in terms of menopause, when a woman approaches um, post childbearing age, they're in perimenopause. I think that they should see a, a pelvic floor physical therapist who has knowledge in what the body's going to change and be like so that we can work on mm. preventing these things that are naturally going to happen or reducing the symptoms that are naturally going to happen. Because I think as you understand, and probably your listeners understand at this point, is nutrition, lifestyle change, strength training, cardiovascular health through endurance training, all these beautiful, healthy things actually help reduce menopausal symptoms. Absolutely. So my mission would be to get people in before so that we can educate on all of those things. Now, in terms of like, if you are in menopause or honestly, even just pelvic floor symptoms, if you're experiencing these at any walk of your life as, as a person, we actually see males too. So I was going to say females, but any person with the pelvic floor, so any human being, <laughs> if you're experiencing leaking or you can't control the gas, or if you have constipation, if you're having painful intercourse, if you have pelvic pain, if you've had back pain or hip pain that nobody can figure out, um, if you, you know, need help with uh, stretching out the vaginal tissues because of the atrophy and the dryness and all of that, we can help with any of those types of things. Wonderful. So can this be done online or do you really need to go and see someone in, in a clinical setting? I think it's, it's a circumstantial situation. So, you know, I just walked us all through ways that you can start contracting your pelvic floor without having mm -hmm. to touch you. So, and bladder retraining and education, there's actually a ton of value in meeting virtually and doing just education. Mm -hmm. I've had women come to me virtually and that's what we did. And I mean, there was some video like demonstration of how to do certain things, but they actually got better without coming in. However, you know, there is a ton of value in being seen in person because we can put our hands on you. We can, we can see what's going on. We can actually assess for prolapse and we can do the, the manual assessment with, you know, one finger and seeing how strong your muscles are. And then there's other components that aren't even pelvic floor related. Like your posture has a lot to do with how your pelvic floor functions and how you, you move and how you lift things. So, um, yeah, no, e either way. I think that there's value. So if you're someone who can't get to a pelvic floor physical therapist because we are so specialized and you live an hour from the closest one, you're not going to want to go in once or twice a week to make that work. No. So no, I think there's, there's definitely value in, in seeing someone virtually too. And the final question would be, how does one find someone like you? You know, I think there's a directory on a website called Herman and Wallace. And I'd have to double check that. But hmm, how would you find someone nearby? I guess a Google search, you know, pelvic okay. floor therapist near me. Sometimes, you know, the hospital system will have at least one. Um, but yeah, I think there's a directory through a, a website called Herman and Wallace. But I would okay. have to look that up. That'd be wonderful if we could get that and put it in the show notes, if you yeah. if you could send that to me. Mm -hmm. So um, 
we talked a little bit about urinary tract health and we've talked a little bit about kegels kegels as you call them kegels as i've called them for, <laughs> for many years um we've talked a little bit about uh bladder training is there something else that you would like for people to know about what you do yeah oh gosh i love that question i think <laughs> i think that pelvic floor physical therapists are super passionate because we aren't well known about, you know, people don't think to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist for these issues for a multitude of reasons. You know, there's a stigma around what we go through and it's hard to talk about. And when you go to your your doctor and you start expressing how you're feeling about these things, you get 10 minutes with them and they're like, you know, try this medicine, uh, do this, do this, this. But oftentimes they don't, the doctor doesn't even think of coming to us. So mm-hmm. Yeah, pelvic floor physical therapists are very passionate about advocacy for ourselves because we have a ton of value, and I think you can re- and appreciate this, and, and in a holistic way. We don't use medicine. We use your body and work with what mm-hmm. you're presenting to us and working on all these things you can control on your own without going to you know, someone in Western medical systems. So um yeah, I just I think I want people to just know that we're an option for these things that feel like there's nothing you can do about it. You know, I hear a lot about women who have a baby and right after, you know, they have all these issues. And it's like, well, that's your sacrifice for having a baby. And yeah, you're probably going to live with this the rest of your life. And it's like, no, we are here to be the ones to help you and empower you to take some of that into your own hands, because sometimes, unfortunately, the healthcare system does drop people off and they get left behind and just feel hopeless. And we're working on trying to, to reduce that. Another place that the medical system has just not given us what we often need. And yet you're part of, you're part of the traditional medical system in terms of being a physical therapist but we fa- often find ourselves in specialists' offices, even our OBGYNs, our primary care, and they don't have the tools to really let us know that there are treatments like this available to us. So, Kayla, thank you so much for being here today and helping my listeners understand that there are alternatives to. Um, to this kind of feeling. Oh, I, I have one more question. You got it. Bring okay. it on. Is it possible for a woman in her 60s to jump on a trampoline without leaking? Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Is that, your, is that one of your goals? Uh, I, it, I think that was the time. It, it was actually almost 20 years ago that I, that I went out, I went to a friend's house and her kids dragged me onto the trampoline and I left with the, a pair of gray pants that, that were really dark gray. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, we, you know, bodies can be limitless. It's just having the right tools and using them that helps you get to that point. Great. Thank you so much. If somebody wanted to talk with you or consult with you, how would they reach you? 
Sure. So I'm really active on Facebook. So finding Kayla Matazuski, there's not many of us out there. <laughs> and you can help and search. We have and a it Facebook. is in the show notes. So you can find how she spells that. <laughs> yes. And we have a Facebook group called Empowered Physical Therapy, where we are active in that basically a few times a week and Wonderful. it's like a community setting. So joining that and then, you know, being a part of that is an option. Um, emailing me directly at empoweredpt22 at gmail.com is also a really good option. And if you have a, have a bunch of questions and you put them out there on Menopause Matters, the podcast on Facebook, I will, when I get enough to bring her back, I'll bring Kayla back for more on this really super important topic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you. 